0: welcome you this weekend to Church of the King. Come on. I want to welcome you, everybody who's joining online. Thank you for being with us. Everybody at the Orleans Justice Center, everyone at St. Tammany Parish Jail, and of course, everybody who's right here at Little Creek. Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate being a church this weekend. It's good to be a church. I'm already liking the feedback. Come on, Irish preachers, we like to be shouted down so you can get comfortable today. Um, We usually have to tell people to be quiet in our churches. Uh, but, But I'm glad to be here, and hopefully you are too. This is, as I've said, the sixth and final message in our community series, not... Okay, it's been a phenomenal journey over the previous couple of weeks, and I'm sure you've been enjoying everything that's been taking place outside of the weekend as well, as we've had thousands of small groups across each of our campuses. It's just been incredible. You know, we've spoken through a number of different areas in our lives where God challenges us to be healthy, and God wants us to experience fullness in each of those areas. In fact, Jesus said, he said this, I've come so that you will experience life In its fullest. And I think Pastor Steve's done an incredible job. Come on, who's thankful for their pastor? Come on. He's done an amazing job. And I'm sure everybody online has enjoyed it too. Talking through a number of different topics. um, You know, getting spiritually healthy, mentally, emotionally, financially, physically. And then today, you know, this topic in itself just excites me. Because I believe that what we're going to discuss together today can directly impact every other area that we've discussed in previous weeks. Today I want to talk about not okay relationally. We want to talk about how we move from simply surviving to thriving in our relationships. Relationships can be a funny thing. There's a, a whole you know list of dynamics when it comes to relationships. We have our friend relationships, maybe a spouse or even professional business relationships, our work relationships. But for me personally, I think the most interesting of all relationships is definitely family, right? <laughs> because you, when, when we're going to family reunions or some of us, when we think of our family, we get you know, a list of memories and things we've been through. And, uh, and for me personally, uh, my wife and I, my wife is actually from Louisiana And we've definitely had some memories over the last few years um, You may have met my wife Tila before, we have a little daughter called Emerald She is the, the blonde-headed child, the Irish child that runs up and down the commons every weekend You'll either see me or my wife chasing after her, trying to save face, that's us um, But I think we have a picture to put up so you can recognize my wife This is my wife Tila and uh, this is my daughter, Emerald. Um, as I said, my wife is from Louisiana. She's French, German, uh, and I'm Irish, so our daughter's a little gumbo pot. And, uh, and uh, she loves being here. She loves being a part of this church. But of course, outside of our own families, if we're married and have our own families, we also have the families that we were born into. And uh, f- obviously, that wasn't our choice. And that can be an interesting dynamic too, And some of you also have met my mom and my dad because they never meet a stranger. In fact, my entire family come and visit very often. This is my family right here. This is my dad, Nevin, whose name literally translates to Irish warrior. Um, So if you're called Nevin, that's what your name means. But my dad literally was was the McGregor before Conor McGregor ever existed. People laugh at that, but he was heavily involved in martial arts throughout my childhood, And uh, his life was radically changed by Jesus. And I've never met somebody who shares Jesus more than my dad does. In fact, I stopped going on errands as a child uh, because a five-minute trip to the grocery store turned into three hours and a revival meeting at the local grocery store. And this is my mother, Lorraine, as well. Of course, being an Irish family, someone needed to have red hair. Shout out all my people with Irish blood. And uh, my mom's quiet, she's reserved, uh, but she loves the Lord, she loves her word. And then there's my sister, Amy. And uh, she's been, you know, I've been blessed to have such a close relationship with my sister. We've had a lot of memories. Anybody in here who has a sister or a brother, uh, you will understand what that means. Especially if you're the older brother, like I was, and uh, I gave my life to Jesus first, which meant that my sister would often come to me to check facts about the Bible. And of course, being the loving brother that I am, and that I was, that I never used my theology uh, for my own personal gain. Of course I did, as a teenager. In fact, I remember this one time, my, my sister Uh, got a a lot of chocolate eggs at Easter. In Ireland, we have these strange traditions, all right? I thought throwing beads was weird when I first got here, but we give out chocolate eggs at at Easter time. And I remember my sister had all these chocolate eggs one year, and I was getting to the age where I would stop getting these eggs, but I knew Jesus. And so I was trying to work through some things relationally in my life. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna bite my lip. And hold my tongue and I'm going to smile even though inside I'm extremely jealous. I remember walking to her room and I opened the door and I tried to make a conversation to work through some of the tension within me. And she did that thing where I'm expecting her to understand the struggle that's going on within me. So she's going to set things aside. She's going to entertain me for a moment. Definitely not. In fact, the moment I walk in, it's like she begins to eat louder and cover herself in more chocolate because she knows what's going on. And I said, what did you learn at, at, at church today? She said, you know, we learned about the Ten Commandments. She starts to talk through the Ten Commandments. I'm actually pretty impressed because she knew all the Ten Commandments. I hadn't learned them all yet. And as she finishes, I just, I've had enough. And I said, Holy Spirit, this one's on me. You can take a break for a minute. And I, and I looked at her and I said, Amy, you forgot the 11th commandment. She said, 11th commandment? I said, oh, yeah, there's an 11th. It's in there somewhere. You missed it. She said, what's that? I said, that thou shalt share thy things with thy siblings. She said, really? Is that a commandment? I said, yeah, but do with it whatever you want. I'm going to head back to my room here. you can enjoy your chocolate. She said, no, 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 no. I was taking advantage of her compassionate heart. Don't judge me. Some of you guys have done some stuff like this before. And, uh, and so she says, Hey, just, just take this with you. Just take half this with you. I'll share everything I've got with you. Here you go. And I remember thinking, I'm, I don't really, sure. And uh, I take the eggs and I leave. Well, a little later on that day, I sit down at the table for dinner. My mom says, Because moms are inquisitive, they know what's going on. To all the young people in the room, you think you've gotten away with stuff. She's waiting. Your mom is waiting for the right moment to bring that thing up. And uh, she says, Amy, I'm surprised you can eat after all the chocolate you've just had. And she said, well, I didn't eat all of it myself. Actually, I gave half of it to David. And then she starts to wonder because she knows how I am. And I start doing that thing where you're kind of laughing, but you're trying to communicate. (laughs) Be quiet. (laughs) She's kind of waving, smiling. And my mom says, oh, Really? Why why did you give half of your chocolate to David? She said, he told me about the 11th commandment, about having to share. And at this point, I know it's over. I'm like trying to count up in my head. This is worth a month, two months being grounded, probably three. And my mom says, oh, well, did David tell you about the 12th commandment? And now my sister's like, I'm not going back to church. Is there 10? Is there 11? Is there 12? I'm done. I'm done with the Bible. And my mom says, no, there's 12. There's definitely 12. And at this point, I've turned white and I'm starting to move towards the door for him. She said, Did David tell you about the 12th commandment where God said, If you think you've deceived your parents, but you get found out, you're due a whooping? <laughs> My sister said, I love that commandment. That's great. <laughs> I ran, I was gone. But relationships are funny, relationships can be the spice of life, yet relationships can be extremely challenging. I'll say this, however, the right relationships, the right relationships can make the bad times half as bad and the good times twice as good. The right relationships in our lives are so important. In fact, if you look at any medical study, you'll see that healthy relationships directly translate to a healthy life. Healthy relationships translate to us living healthy lives. In fact, studies show That the effect of social ties on lifespan, check this out, is twice as strong as that of exercising. The effect of social ties, our relationships, in our lives, is twice as strong as that that of exercising. Anybody else ready to quit the gym and just get some new friends? That's me. I'm done. I'm just going to get a ton of new friends. When we look at God's word from Genesis to Revelation, we see the importance of relationship. Jonathan and David, Moses and Aaron, and Jesus and his father. And what I love about our God is that he is obsessed with relationship. It's not just something he does. It's something that I even, when it came to creation and he was forming us, I see him getting excited about the moment where Adam and Eve we're able to open their eyes and see their Father and walk in relationship. In fact, Jesus didn't just call us to relationship with God. No, He called us to unity and relationship with one another. He said, I pray that they may be one, Father, as you and I are one. Relationships in our lives are key. Well, you might say, well, Pastor David, relationships are messy. You don't understand. You don't understand the things that I've been through, what people have done to me. I know it's tough. I know relationships are difficult, but, Church of the King, at this time in our lives, at this time in history, I have to remind you, they may be messy, but they are worth it. Relationships are worth it at a time where we are more connected than ever, yet studies would show we are lonelier than ever. Because just maybe. We're expecting to get from technology what God has only meant for us to get from each other. Relationships are key. So today I want to look at two people in the scriptures. I want to look at two stories, hundreds of years apart, but very similar. The only difference is the relationships involved meant that there was a different outcome. You see, the relationships in our lives are so important. They do affect where we go and how we get there and the future ahead of us. First, I want to look at Jonah, an Old Testament prophet. And Jonah gets the amazing opportunity from God to go and rebuke some people. He's looking at God saying, God, what do you want for my life? Am I the next worship leader? Am I going to go and preach the gospel and see revival? And God says, no, there's this place called Nineveh and they're rebellious. Their people have turned against me. And I want you to go there and tell them if they don't return to me, I'm going to bring my judgment. Wow. Great God. Wish I didn't ask. (laughs) And so he's, he's beginning to think through this. Of course, all of us have a decision when God speaks because God's given us free will. And now Jonah has an opportunity. Do I, obey, do I obey God? Do I do what he says? Do I trust him? Do I put people ahead of myself? Or do I get comfortable and do I just go the opposite way? I want to tell you this weekend, church, that when God speaks to you, you will always be presented with a boat going in the opposite direction to what God has called you to. And this boat literally presents itself to Jonah. And let's see what he does as he has an opportunity to respond to God. It says in Jonah 1.3, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Anybody ever try to run from the Lord? Oh yeah, guess what? I've learned, can't do it. He's gonna find you because he's already wherever you're running to. (laughs) And so Jonah's running, trying to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship. And it was leaving for Tarshish. Even that name isn't attractive. Why are you going there, Jonah? He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord, it says again, by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah didn't just slightly shift course. He went the complete opposite direction. You will always get an opportunity to go the opposite direction to what God is calling you to. And once he was on the ship, God sent a storm. He's, God's thinking, I have to get his attention. So he sends a storm. And the ship started to break apart, and all the sailors start fearing, and they're thinking, okay, this hasn't happened before, and there's only one difference on this boat, and that's this guy. And I can see all of them turning at the one time to look at Jonah, and Jonah's like, it's all right, guys. I already know what's going on. I get it. And this is what Jonah says. He says, throw me into the sea. That's brave. And it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Verse 15, it says, Then the sailors picked up Jonah, picked Jonah up. They threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. Jonah was running from God. He ended up in a storm. But most importantly, he ended up in a boat with the wrong people. In fact, for the guys in the boat, the sailors, they were in the boat with the wrong person. They were being directly impacted by Jonah's rebellion towards the Lord. I want to remind us it matters who is in your boat in life. Not everybody can get on a boat with you or it sinks. <laughs> you got to be specific. You got to be intentional. Are the right people on your boat, Church of the King? Have you got the right people with you doing life together? Now looking at another story, we have Jonah and we have Paul. Paul in Acts 27, he's taken captive and he's on a boat as a prisoner on his way to Rome. Different scenario. But what's amazing is he is on the same sea, the exact same sea that Jonah traveled hundreds of years before. And again, Paul finds himself in a storm. I don't know why people keep going on the sea. I would stay away from it. But he again finds himself in a storm And he hasn't willingly got on this boat. No, in fact, he's been brought on this boat as a captive, as a prisoner. And while they're on this boat, Paul begins to get hit from every side. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Maybe in the last year, maybe right now in life where you're at. You feel like, God, I've just been trying to live for you. I've been trying to do what you've called me to and I'm still in a storm. I'm I'm still getting hit. I wanna remind you, church. I wanna remind you, family, that the, the storm often is inevitable. There are going to be storms in our lives. Some we create for ourselves like Jonah. Others we just find ourselves in. But Jesus said, there are going to be storms. There are going to be trials, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And if I live in you, guess what? You can overcome the world too. Whatever storm you're in, you can find freedom today because I live in you. Jesus said, take heart. And I love the words of Paul because he says something very similar. You can see Jesus at work, the Spirit of God at work in him as he speaks up at this time on the boat in the middle of the storm. And this is what he says in Acts 27. He says, take courage, take heart. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, come on, that's strong, To whom I belong. Come on, everybody online. You got to say that wherever you are. To whom I belong. Sometimes we forget who our father is. He said, to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Not just to you. But Paul, everybody who's on your boat is going to be okay because you worship me and you've got my spirit in you. Everybody around you is going to be fine because of where you're at with me, Paul. I want to challenge some of us today. The circumstances that you find yourself and the people that you're around will be directly impacted by where you're at with the Lord. Whether it's in rebellion like Jonah or it's in pursuit of God like Paul. Paul. We cannot help it, but they will be impacted by our relationship with God. And so today, as we look at both of these stories, these contrasting stories, two storms, two boats, two people, yet two very different outcomes. One was bringing the boat down. The other was lifting the people on the boat up. One created the storm he was in. The other overcame a storm that he found himself in with God's strength. And so when it comes to not okay relationally, how do we move from just surviving in relationships to thriving? I've got three keys over the next few moments that I wanna share and discuss with you guys. Three keys to building healthy relationships. I feel God saying today that if we get intentional at a time where it's probably most difficult, If we can invite him into the scenarios that we may, and I feel like this is gonna speak to somebody, you've had your relationships gripped with your own hands. And what God has been waiting for you to do is not let go and step away, but let go and let him step in. God is calling you to invite him into your relationships. They're important and the right relationships are key. So how do we have healthy relationships? The first way is this. We need to be personally healthy. You're like, "Well, I saw that coming. <laughs> Sometimes the most simple things to say are the most difficult things to put into practice. We need to be personally healthy because our relationships will only be as healthy as we are. My entire life, I heard, relationships are 50, 50. I disagree with that. Do you know what? I, I believe relationships are 100, 100, because you take not half of you in a relationship. you take all of you. You take the good, the bad and the ugly. You don't get to wear a mask in a relationship with someone you're close with. They get to see it all. And so you don't go in half, you go in 100. And if you're going in 100%, all of you is gonna be involved. And we need to make sure that we are fighting and we're asking God, we're fighting towards relational health. We're fighting towards being healthy instead of fighting with one another. God's calling us as a church and as a family to be personally healthy. Because like in our story, with Jonah and in our story with Paul, our health affects the people who are around us. Living in Louisiana, i found something. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot in general. But I've learned a lot about foundations. <laughs> and um, I read something recently that over the last 30 years, Louisiana is sinking. In fact, New Orleans has sank six to seven inches over the last 30 years. And foundations are important. My wife and I recently moved house. We moved into a new home. And we would go and travel and see this house um, over the weeks prior to moving. And all I would see for a long time was just foundations. Our house was built. There were a few more in the neighborhood, but there were some foundations in place. And I began to think, have these builders quit? Every time I come around, there's just foundations. Where are our neighbors? This is going to be a lonely time of life. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a builder. He said, David, don't worry because a lot of the time and building is spent on the foundation. Because the foundation is the place where everything else is built from. In fact, when it comes to skyscrapers in cities, they'll often build stories deep, dig stories deep, in order to be able to hold that skyscraper. The foundations are important. And I want to tell you today that in our relationships, our personal health is foundational, where we are is going to impact the people around us. I've been married now for over five years. It did not take my wife, Tila, long to realize some of my habits that I didn't even know exist. <laughs> and I remember recently that we were sitting together and over the last five years, I've noticed something. That often when we're sitting together and our daughter's asleep and my wife's working, she'll just get up and move into the other room. And I'm thinking it's either one of two things. Either one, I'm distracted and I'm throwing you off. Or two, I'm just so irresistible that you need to get out of the room and finish your work, right? <laughs> I'm joking. But I noticed this, she would just get up and leave. And so one day I just had enough and I walked in and I said, Taylor, what is going on? She said, what do you mean? I said, you, like, it's not all the time, but every so often you'll just get up and leave when you're working and I'm sat in the room just sitting there sulking. <laughs> What's happening? She said, David, I need to tell you something. When you chew gum, it sounds like people clapping. And I can't focus. And I'm, seriously, I realized that's how I chew gum. I had to realize that what I was doing was impacting my wife. It, what we do impacts the people around us. It's not just on us. And so our personal health is extremely important important you know most of the time I feel like we spend our time looking at others even if you know when I mentioned we're talking about relationships today as some of you thought oh, I wish that person was here to hear this message this weekend that may be a sign that God wants to speak to you <laughs> we spend so much of our time thinking about everybody else and this person should be here to hear this and the reason that we're not talking is because of what they have done or the reason. Uh, that we in our, in our marriage are finding tension is because I didn't realize that she was like this or he was like that. They weren't like this when we were dead. And there, there, there. And I love what Jesus says because he challenges us. We can't take responsibility for other people, but we definitely can for ourselves. And I love what Jesus says. And it's such a funny picture. Maybe you've read this before. I feel like some of you are gonna get it today. He said in Matthew 7, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Have you ever thought about that? I love love preaching to young people because they think very literally. And when I read things like that, they just start laughing. You know, because they're like, they're picturing someone with a little speck in their eye and someone with a plank in their eye going, you've got a speck in your eye. Can you imagine? But we do that in our lives. We've got all this stuff going on. And then we're like, did you hear about this person? (laughs) You know, it's like, Jesus is like, look at the plank in your own eye. And I love what he says. Why should we do that? Because when we look at the plank in our own eye, when we look at our own health and get healthy, he gives us the opportunity to be used by him to address the speck. But we first have to look at the plank in our own eye. Let me remove the speck from my eye. How can we say this, Jesus said? Let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. He says, hypocrite, stop pretending, stop being fake. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think often in life, we go around and we're holding a magnifying glass in our relationships. We walk around in our relationships holding a magnifying glass. We go through life and we're looking at everybody else's life. And did you see this? And this is even more difficult right now with social media and texting and how much we use our cell phones. We're not reading things in their voice and how they communicate stuff. We're reading posts and comments and text messages from what we've been through and what we've experienced. They're not the filter, we are. And so we look at people's lives. And the thing about a magnifying glass is when we look at something in a magnifying glass, it gets bigger than what it really is. So we're going around looking at everybody else's life and in fact, the things they're walking through look far bigger than what's really going on. So often we think we know what people are walking through and yet sometimes we don't know the full story. And I feel like God is challenging us today at church family. He's challenging us if you would just put down the magnifying glass and he say, I feel him saying we need to instead pick up the mirror. We need to put down the magnifying glass and looking at everybody else's problems and deciding in our hearts this is what's going on with them. And God is saying, would you just look at what's going on with you? And I know sometimes it's scary. I know what it's like waking up in the morning after no sleep, right? Anybody with children, any new parents are saying, amen. And I know what it's like. And it's difficult at times to look in the mirror. It's like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. But that's part of facing the mirror, It's part of getting healthy. Pushing things aside doesn't bring resolution. It's just delay. And God is calling us to look in the mirror. And I love what God does because when we have the humility to look at ourselves, God begins to work in us. He begins to break things down. He begins to allow us to see things through his eyes. It's time to put down the magnifying glass and it's time to pick up the mirror. I heard a story. Come on. I like when you talk back let me know God's speaking to somebody this weekend. It's time to put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. I heard of a, a young teenager, a young guy in the United Kingdom, close to where I live. And a few hundred years ago, he was crying out for revival. And he got a map of his country and he circled his city and he said, God, change everybody inside this circle. And he began to pray, God, change everybody inside this circle. And over time, nothing was happening. So he came before the Lord and he said, he said, God, like, why aren't you moving? You said, if I ask, if I pray that you would move, God spoke back and he said, why don't you draw a circle around yourself and pray the same prayer? So in his bedroom, he draws a circle, literally draws a circle around himself. I'm sure his mom loved that. (laughs) And he began to pray, God change everybody inside the circle. God change everybody inside the circle. God began to meet with this young man. He began to have visions and dreams. And he stepped out and began to pray on the streets. In fact, he went into one building and started to pray. started a prayer meeting and it didn't stop. People would walk by the building outside, fall down on their knees and begin to confess their sin to God. And revival broke out in his city. And it wasn't as much about God change everybody else. God said, why don't we start with you? Where are you at with me? Let me work on you. Foundational. It's foundational. The foundation of our relationship with others is our own personal health. And a step further, you can be as healthy as you like outside of Jesus, but you will never experience life in its fullest. I believe the word of God so much. I believe it's true to the extent where Jesus said, only with me will you experience life in the fullest. I believe that anything outside of him is not life in the fullest. I heard someone say once, the gospel will cost you, but it will cost you everything you were never meant to be. You will leave behind the stuff you don't need in order to move forward in your life. And God will help with that. It's personal health. Personal health. I wonder if Jonah had had a small group. Did everybody enjoy their small groups over the last weeks? Come on, if you're in a small group, why don't you celebrate right now? It's been phenomenal. I want to encourage you, don't end here. I know it's tempting once you finish a community series to, to, to put a, a close on things and say, that was a great time. But the troubles in life don't stop when the community series stops and we move into a new series. There's gonna be new troubles. So we need each other. But what if Jonah had a small group? Could you imagine him leaving the night before and they're like, see you next week? And he's like, won't be here next week. Not sure when I'll be back. And a small group leader saying, why were you going? Do you ever notice that in your small group, people ask questions, you're like, don't ask me that, but you kind of want to be asked that, you know? And uh, he's like, I could see him just saying, "Uh, I'm going to Tarshish. Tarshish, why are you going there? "Uh, Because I'm running from God. Get back in here right now. Sit down. We're going to talk about this, right? (laughs) Get in this door. Sit down together. Let's talk through this. If Jonah had had the right relationships, things would have been different. And so I want to move into our next point over our last few moments together, we need to be personally healthy, but we also need to begin to be wise. We need to be intentional in the people that we allow into our lives. Not everybody is walking into my home, right? Not everybody's allowed in. That's my space. you know the word friend literally translates in Hebrew to the word sowed, which means secret. That our friends, the right relationships are people that we allow in to see our secret lives, the secret places of our heart. Just because someone sits across from me at work does not give them the right to be in the secret places of my life. I need to choose who's in my life. I need to choose who I let in. We need to begin to be wise with the people we let in because we don't get to choose what we go through in life, but we do get to choose who we go through life with. And casual friends are a result of circumstances. Just casual friends. I work with you. I know you. We have a relationship. But close friends are a result of choice. We need the right people in our lives. Proverbs 12, 26 says this. The righteous should choose. Come on, church, say choose. Come on, say choose. They should choose their friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Some translations say that the that. that the righteous are cautious about their friends. I think sometimes we spend more time thinking through what we're going to put in our bellies than who we're going to allow into our lives, right? Sometimes we put more effort into choosing something off a list in a restaurant than the people that we're opening our hearts to. But it's so important. We need to be wise. We need to be intentional. Even Jesus was intentional with who he let in here, 12 And he let them in to see his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But there wasn't any ugly because he was perfect. Come on. But he still allowed people in. And he still had a close-knit family that he was working with and walking with and doing life with. Do we have the right relationships? I remember when my daughter was born. And um, I had a lot of information about how to be a dad. I actually went to a, a session called Dad Boot Camp. And it was something. It was like something from a movie. You know, you had every kind of character there. You had like a dad who was like, yeah, good. I'm good, whatever, I'm ready. And you had another dad who had a list of questions. He was obviously sent in by his wife with questions of what to do. And I had all the information about what to do, but after a week of having our daughter, she was crying a lot. And I had info, you know, I got information, your daughter's going to cry. And so I would look on Google, it's normal, but something didn't feel normal. Sometimes information is not enough. I want to tell you, we've got all the information we need. I can get my cell phone out. I can talk to Siri, ask him about St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day is on March 17th. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I can get all the information I want. I already know that. I don't need to search about that. Come on. And uh, but 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 we have all the information that we need. We don't need information, church. We need wisdom. Technology can't give you wisdom. It can't give you life experience. So we need the right people. And I remember calling my friend who was a dad a few months before me. And I said, said, what do I do? She keeps crying. He starts asking me all these weird questions. I'm like, why are you asking me that? And he says, I'm on it. And he hangs up. I'm like, this is awesome. He's come to give me a hug. But we still need to fix the issue with our daughter. Like, what's going on? And I opened the door as he arrives at my apartment. And he was like, super dad. He was like a superhero. He had bottles across his belt two tins of formula and like a hat that said, dad, you know, and he was like walking and he was like, move it. I'm like, whatever you want to do. He said, she's dehydrated. I'm like, what? She's been feeding the last week. He said, you have no idea what's going on. He said, I know what it's like. She needs formula. And my daughter almost finished two full tins of formula. She was just celebrating a week old. I didn't need information. I needed wisdom. And I only got wisdom through a right relationship in my life. Somebody who'd gone ahead of me was a little further ahead of me and said, I know what's going on and I can help you. Let me help you, Church of the King. We need the right relationships. We need to be wise who we let in. We need people who are full of wisdom. Those are the people that we need. We need to be personally healthy. We need to be wise in our choices of who we let into our secret places and our secret lives. And finally, as we come to a close today, we need to be humble. This is the one that I've really had to learn. Be humble. There were ways in marriage that I thought I was, you know, I had this perspective that I was the greatest husband in the world. And, you know, even that in itself, it was like, congratulations, you've married me. (laughs) And I was like, what? And I didn't say that, but there were ways that I was living that looked like that to my wife. And it felt like for a long time that, you know, there would be different scenarios and different situations and we would keep, keep hitting the same wall. And I used to say, if she would only, or she would do this. And I tell you what, my wife is amazing. She has so much grace I've learned because I was the one who needed to change. I just couldn't be humble. I was doing the magnifying glass instead of the mirror. If we look at Jonah, look at Jonah's life, he wasn't focused on other people. He was focused on himself. I need to stay comfortable. I can't go there for them. Have you seen what they've done? Have you seen the things they've said about you, God? You know, sometimes we use God, you know. They don't even worship you, God. You know, God's like, I still love them. I'm still calling you to them. And Jonah said, I'm going in the opposite direction. Whereas Paul stood up in the chains that he was locked in by the people who were on the boat and was man enough, was holy enough. I'll say it that way. Was holy enough to stand up and say, I know you've shackled me, but everything's gonna be okay because it's not about the shackles. It's about who's living within me. He said, Jesus is here. To take courage because God is gonna keep you safe. We need to be humble. You see, pride finds it difficult to say sorry, whereas humility takes the first step. Pride thinks about self. Humility thinks about others. Pride pushes people away. Humility draws people in. And Jesus mirrored this to us. You know, I think in life, we often come to relationships a little like this. We get before the person that we have a relationship with and we take a seat in our relationships and we say, oh, all right. I know how to do this, by the way, because I've had plenty of crawfish since I've moved here. Anybody who's brand new to Louisiana, don't wear a white t-shirt to a crawfish boil. People will laugh at you. Uh, But we get in our relationships and we get a towel and we... uh, come to the person in front of us. We get our bowl and we say, okay, what have you got for me? What can you bring to my life? What have you got to give to me? How can you serve me? How can you bring addition to me? Or sometimes we approach others. We say, I'm gonna be their friend because of that. That's gonna help me. That's gonna fill me. And that's not what God has called us to. In fact, Jesus was very clear about this. As he sat down with his right relationships, He sat down with the people that he had chosen. It says this in John 13, He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. He didn't tuck it in. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus says that relationships aren't about taking a seat and tucking the towel in and asking for something. Jesus says, Relationships is when you invite the person you're in relationship with to take the seat. And we get our bowl that we think we need filled and instead we let down and we get the towel, we put it over our knee and we begin to wash the feet of the people who we're in relationship with. That's Humility. That's what we're called to. You want to show your family? You want to show your friends? You want to show somebody you work with who Jesus is? God says, serve. Begin to serve them. Do you know why I believe our church has been so incredibly blessed by God? Because I believe this church family is marked by generosity. Marked by serving. My wife is from the Baton Rouge area. And I can't tell you the amount of people who've come to me and talked about the food banks and giving away food and some of them didn't even know that I was part of this church. Serving will share the gospel for you. And God's calling us to serve. And for some of you, I want to I challenge you right now. Maybe the change you want to see in that relationship where there's tension. Maybe the change you want to see in that scenario where you haven't talked in a long time. And God, when you go before him, and you ask him, God will lead you. He said, ask me. And I'll show you things that are unseen. I'll show you things that I've not shared before. If you ask him, I guarantee you, God will show you a way that you can serve. And right now, as we close our time together, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, there's some people, what I see, just through the Holy Spirit, I see there's some of you in here and you've just felt a weight on your shoulders relationally because a certain situation or a scenario that you're walking through. And I feel like God is saying, he wants to lift that off today. He wants to bring freedom today. And so this is what I wanna do. I wanna ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, we just thank you for your presence. You know, one of the... um, One of the most amazing things, you keep your head and your eyes closed, one of the most amazing pictures of humility is that even on the cross, Jesus was bringing people into eternity as he spoke to the criminal and invited him into paradise. I feel like the Lord's saying today that there are some of you in here and you've been through a tough time and you're walking through difficult circumstances and God is saying that will not stop your witness. That will not stop. In fact, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you opportunities to serve the people who you believe are the ones who've created the circumstances you're in. And I believe that right now, all across this room, God wants to lift weight off people in this room, relational weight, relational tension. And God's saying today that some of you You need to let go of the reins and instead of just walking away, invite him in and be led by him, be led by his spirit. And so if that's you today, if you feel that weight, I wanna pray for you right now. I, I, I believe God is saying he's gonna lift that off you. I wanna ask you just to raise your hand. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're feeling that relational weight, I believe the Lord's saying he can and he will lift that off your shoulders today. Come on, hands everywhere. That's amazing. You can put those hands down. So Father, right now, we invite your spirit in. Lord, we thank you that your spirit is the thing that can lift burdens, that can lift tension, that can lift destruction, that can lift things that have come in to separate. God, I thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And God, nothing can separate us from you. And so God, we ask that inseparable love, God, that love to come into our relationships. But I ask that that love right now would bring peace into the hearts of your people. And God, I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone in this room who wants to give their life to you, they want to get their foundation right, right now. They say, I'm not going anymore. I'm not going any further without the right foundation. God, I pray that they would believe in their heart. They would confess right now, God, that you are Lord and they would enter into that relationship with you wherever they are, God. I pray that they would say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Father, I thank you for our time together. God, I pray that as we move beyond today, God, as we go into the week ahead, that we would see with new eyes, that we would put down the magnifying glass, we would pick up the mirror. God, we would hear from you and we would see your hand at work in our relationships and in our church family. In Jesus' name. And Church of the King said, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus today. What another incredible message as we wrap up our Not Okay series. I know I've so enjoyed this series and diving into each topic with my Not Okay book and my small group. I hope you really are too. You know what? Once again, we just want to welcome you guys and thank you for being here. And if you are here for the first time, we'd love to let us know. Um, you can click on the link that's in the chat room right now, or you can text the word CONNECT to the number 822 And really probably one of the best ways for us to stay connected during the week is for you to join our Church Online Family Facebook group. So if you've not done that yet, go ahead and look that up. There's a link in our chat room as well right now. It's a great opportunity for us to stay connected and pray together and celebrate together during the week. So we hope to see you there. Once again, guys, thank you so much for being at church today. I hope you have a great week. We can't wait to be with you guys again next week.